welcome back to Murder, Lies and Everything in Between, a true crime podcast with me, Jess, and my husband, Atty. Hi, guys. Hope you're all good this week. Um, we've had a really, really nice Christmas break. Thank you very much. It was really nice. Atty, stop fucking looking at me like that. He's in a really weird, annoying, frustrating, wind-up mood. I know what you're tonight. talking about. You've got my you whole do, attention. You do know what you're ta- what I'm talking about. You're being a wind-up tonight. Um, hope you all had a really, really nice Christmas. Atty clearly has had a nice Christmas because he's all refreshed and ready to go at it now, aren't you, babe? We are. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you could see his face right now. He's got a face on him that you just... Oh, oh honestly, he's <laughs> such an arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a really, really nice Christmas um, at my sister's. It was actually really, really nice. It was nice and relaxed, wasn't it, babe? <laughs> yeah. Um, we just had Christmas at home this year, which was quite nice, wasn't it? I think we had Christmas time last year as well. Yeah, Christmas Day we had at home. Yeah, we did Christmas Eve over at my sister's. Um, and that was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, it was nice. Nice takeaway. Yeah. So, yeah, we hope you all had a really, really nice Christmas. Um, tonight, when we're recording, it's actually New Year's Eve. Um, so you're actually going to get an episode on New Year's Day. Um, so that is quite nice for you all. Um, so today, I give a kind of a little bit of a hint last week that um, the new year, we're going to start doing some of the the heavy hitters, some of the big known serial killers and people that people know more of kind of thing. So this week, I don't want to disappoint you. And we are going to be jumping in to Jerry Brudos. So he's otherwise known as the shoe fetish killer or the lust killer. Um, And he is quite a well-known He's quite a well-known guy, I think. Um, some of the people that are really kind of into the big guys in kind of those ages, the so kind of like 30s up to the kind of 80s, and they'll know who Jerry Brudos is. So the sources I used for today's case, um, I actually watched a documentary with Sharon Wood, who was one of the survivors of an attack by Jerry Brudos. Right. Um, biography.com, crimelibrary.com wikipedia for some basic stuff and i actually read some sections from the Anne rule book on jerry brudos um and Anne rules quite a popular um quite a i would say a very um she's a celebrity i would say in the true crime genre i would say Anne rule is she's quite known for having quite a lot to do with the big serial killers so We're going to jump straight into today's case. So it started off with Jerome Henry Brudos, who was born in Webster, South Dakota, on the 31st of January, 1939. He was the youngest of two sons to Henry and Aileen Brudos. Henry was kind of quite like an angry man. He wasn't very kind of nice to his son. Um, He wasn't very nice at all, really. Um, But that was nothing compared to Aileen, um, Jerry's mum. She wasn't, I mean, putting her, saying that she wasn't the best of mums to Jerry would be putting it very, very lightly. Um, This was mainly due to the fact that she actually openly said that she actually wanted a girl and not a boy. So she already had a boy and she wanted her second child, she wanted it to be a girl. And she was openly annoyed and frustrated that he he was a boy, basically, when he was born. Um, she made it kind of very clear and clear that she really didn't like him pretty much. 
And she kind of consistently just abused him emotionally and physically throughout basically his entire childhood. So she was just a shit mum, basically. To him, anyway. She wasn't to Larry, his brother. That's the first child. Yeah. Yeah. She was amazing to him. She showed him affection. She showed him love. She was a good mum, pretty much, to him. But complete polar opposite to Jerry. Um, She made it, as I said, she made it very clear that she couldn't stand Jerry throughout his entire childhood. So kind of through their childhood, they moved around the Pacific Northwest area quite a lot. Um, His dad was kind of in and out of jobs all the time. So they kind of moved around so that whatever work was going around, he could kind of go and pick up. Um, But they eventually settled in Salem, Oregon. So (coughs) at about the age of five, um, while Jerry was playing in a dump, of all places in a dump, in like a junkyard. Yeah, but when you're a kid, you play anywhere, though, didn't you? Yeah, clearly, yeah. (laughs) I mean, we've got to remember, this is like the early 40s, so there's not really a lot of things for you to kind of do at that age. It's not like a local park they can go down, is it? No, no, I don't don't think so, no. From what I could see, there wasn't a lot going on kind of in the early 40s. Um, but while he was actually playing in there and kind of scouring the dump, he found a pair of women's stilettos that he kind of took a liking to. They were like patent leather, apparently. Right. So he really liked them. They had, they had like gemstones and stuff on and he took a liking to them. So <clears throat> he took them home and he started kind of playing with them. So, you know, he's five years old. There's no maliciousness in anything that he's doing. He's just liked them. So he took them home. Right. There was nothing more to it than that. Um, his mum, though, actually caught him wearing them and playing with them around the house. And she kind of went mad and told him to throw them away. And she actually punished him for this. OK, but he didn't actually throw them away. And a few days later, his mum caught him again playing with them. So this time she decided to burn them in front of him. And she basically just beat the shit out of him for this right so she was pissed at this she you know she was wondering what's going what's going on with her five-year-old son playing with a pair of heels kind of thing so this is this is kind of where it's believed that jerry's obsession originated actually from um and this was mainly because he from what we can kind of see from his progression through kind of his life he kind of took a sexualized aspect from these heels that obviously escalated as he got older um but he kind of saw it as something that needed to be hidden away from people so his obsession kind of grew from there and he would hide this away from people obviously because he thought it was something to be hidden away from because of how his mum reacted basically to him him playing with them so Jerry's fascination actually led him to steal a pair of heels that was kindergarten teachers that she actually had in her desk. So she had a pair of heels in her desk that she would wear, like if she had anywhere to go after school and stuff, or like she had a date or anything. Um, And he actually stole them out of his desk, out of her desk. Um, Obviously he got punished for this by his teacher, Um, but she wasn't really annoyed. She didn't really see any malice in it. It was just something like a bit weird that he'd kind of done. Um, But as he got older, this kind of only escalated to where he was actually like breaking into neighbors' houses um, in order to steal their shoes and their underwear. And he was actually stealing underwear off like washing lines and that. Right. So he did escalate. Obviously, it didn't help what his mum did. So he found he needed to hide all this kind of things. Only way he could hide it was by stealing these things. 
so actually on one occasion um like a teenage family friend was over at his house so her parents were over at his house anyway and she came over and she wasn't feeling very well so she went to take a nap on jerry's bed she was obviously given permission to do this she went to go and sleep on his bed and she actually woke up during an occasion where he was trying to take her shoes off her that she was trying to take he was trying to take her shoes off her while she was sleeping right Obviously, she wasn't very happy with this. His parents obviously found out, and they were obviously pissed about this. Obviously, you know, she's trying to steal fucking neighbor's pair of shoes off her feet. So, you know, these things are just kind of adding up as time's going on. His odd behavior is just getting more and more weird kind of thing. Yeah. So, during this time, Jerry actually started cross-dressing with, like, any of these women's clothes that he could find. Is he still five? No, so this is he's getting older. Right. Okay. So as he's getting older, he's, you know, he's just escalating and it's becoming more and more and more as he's getting older. So he actually said that he didn't really like have any sexual feelings about the items. So he just knew he enjoyed wearing women's clothes. Wearing women's clothes and wearing women's shoes. He didn't find any sexual feelings towards well, them maybe, this time. He was still quite young. Maybe they're comfortable. There you go. Maybe they're, maybe they're comfortable. Um, but he did kind of have like wet dreams. So he did have wet dreams about them, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm i not a man, obviously. Um, I don't know how wet dreams work. I'm not a man. So I don't know, babe. Can you enlighten me on how wet dreams work? But oh, I want to have wet dreams over women wearing women's clothing do you know what i mean yeah you know i don't know did you might be a bit personal did you ever have wet dreams when you were young i don't think i did no many erections when i was young (laughs) many many times i get many many times now actually wake up stinking hard on do you know what i mean yeah you know you know me the wind's only got (laughs) below and it's ready to go that's it yeah (laughs) i don't need no blue tablet do i no no um yeah, I mean, I, as I said, I don't know how wet dreams work, but his mum actually caught, like, she saw these stains and she caught these stains on, like, the sheets. Yeah. And she basically punished him for this. Um, and she would make him wash them by hand just to embarrass him. Obviously, this did embarrass him. It's not his fault. Like, I think a lot of young people, young people, you have them now, um, we can have wet dreams at any time for men. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So you know, you've obviously got aroused, aroused, and obviously, yeah. and you obviously basically spunked in your fucking underwear or yeah. over your sheets. It's not anything but meaningful or anything by it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Just it happens. I mean, his mum was a raging bitch by the sounds of it. So it doesn't surprise me that she would punish him for something that's normal. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it doesn't does. Surprise me. I, I said I don't think it happens to all blokes, but. There's blokes probably out there. Obviously, there is a blokes out there who obviously had wet dreams, you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't remember having one myself. No? Not I know of. It could be a wet dream or I pissed the bed. I can't remember that. <laughs> was, you know, one of the fucking two, do you know what I mean? So I mean, even... The thing <laughs> is, we can all agree that it's a... It's a natural thing, you know? It's like when kids wet the bed. It's a natural thing. You should never be punished for that. You know, it's only gonna fuck you up as you get older. So... On another particular occasion, Jerry actually snuck into a girl's house and he stole a pair of underwear. Right. So he just broke into like a neighbor's house. Um, the following day, he actually returned dressed up saying that he was an undercover police officer. Right. So I'll just tell you right now, he's about 16 at this age, <laughs> this time. 
He's about 16, yeah. So he goes to this girl's house and pretends to basically be a police officer who was in charge of finding out like who was responsible for the thefts of the underwear and the shoes in the area. So he basically said, look, can you come to my house tomorrow? He knew his family were going to be out the following day. So he said, can you come to my house tomorrow and basically discuss this, these thefts? Why would a police officer ask someone to come to their house? You wouldn't, okay? So... <laughs> did, the person go of... to, did the person go to the house? Hurry so, his house. I'll tell you in a minute, okay? <laughs> so I'm not going to say these things that they do make sense, yeah? But I'm not... Look, we don't victim blame here, okay? But I don't know why you believe that. First of all, 16-year-old lad. Second of all, go to his house. That's a bit fucking dodge, all right? Did he have so... any idea on him no <laughs> so she just went to someone's house knocked on their door and goes i'm a police officer come to my house yeah and let's talk about the, yeah, you know, yeah. the crime yeah pretty instead much. of talking there and then or can yeah. you come down to the station and talk about it? yeah come to my house yeah wouldn't that ring alarm bells you would think yeah. wouldn't that be like hmm, yeah okay yeah, <laughs> if someone knocked on my door and we want to discuss about the, the crimes that are going around here please come to the house please come to mcdonald's i'll be like what the hell <laughs> what are you gonna feed me are you it's so weird. I'm, <laughs> look, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say any of this shit makes sense because it doesn't. Um, but so <laughs> the following day, yeah, she went to his house, the house that was given, the address that was given to her. Right. She went to his house, and a man's for well, um, a male voice shouted from upstairs to come upstairs to the room as he was upstairs. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I know, Atty. I wish you could all see his face right now because it's hilarious. He's like, he's just putting his hands up like, what the fuck? Why? Come to my house and can't stay in my room. <laughs> <laughs> so she basically went upstairs um, and all of a sudden as she went into this room, a man with a mask jumped out on her. <laughs> I can't take this seriously. <laughs> this is going to be the lighter part of the case, okay? So... What do I do? Freeze. Police. <laughs> so a man jumped out on her, yeah? Hold... <laughs> holding a knife and basically told her to strip off. Yeah, to strip naked, basically, so that he could take photos of her. Right. So she's obviously terrified. She's like, what the fuck is going on? She's thrown by what's happening. So she's just complied with his requests. Okay. So she's got stripped off. He's took photos of her. And then he's all of a sudden rushed out of the room to rush out of the house. His own house. Yeah, but he's making out as though he's not Jerry. Or this police officer. He's making out as though he's this random person. Right. Okay? This will make sense in a minute. So you're playing so, three different people at the yeah. moment. Yeah. Right, okay. So she's quickly kind of got dressed and she started to run out of the house. And as she's kind of run downstairs, Jerry runs back into the house, runs back in, yeah, pretending that he'd been tied up by a mystery man and he'd been tied up in the barn and he'd managed to escape. Right. She obviously knew this wasn't the case. She knew that this was a load of shit and that this was the same person. 
Yeah, she knew this. She knew that it wasn't right. She doesn't know what to kind of do. So she's just said, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, that's fine. I've got to go. I've got to go. And she's kind of rushed out of the house. Okay. She actually didn't report this for a few months because she was worried that he would come back and he'd kill her. You got to remember, he knows where she lives. Yeah. So she's worried that he's going to kill her. Yeah. I can understand that aspect of it. hundred percent can understand that. So Jerry actually started escalating to attacking women in 1956. Um, and he was just 17 years old when he actually attacked another 17 year old. Right. He was actually carrying a knife. He abducted her under the ruse of him giving her a lift somewhere. He threatened to stab her so that she would strip naked and so that he could take photos of her body. Okay. This finally ended up with him actually just beating her up and he actually broke her nose. So he got frustrated during this, that Joan her stripping off and him taking photos and he just broke her nose and basically just give her a severe beating. Right. So luckily um, an elderly couple actually happened to be driving by and they caught him in the acts Jerry actually originally told them that she had fallen out of his car while he was driving, but this didn't really take long for him to change his story. And he did actually say in the end that he saw a man attacking her. And as he kind of drove up, he run off and Jerry came to kind of see if she was okay. This is what he said. Them basically not being stupid and not being fucking gullible didn't obviously believe his story. So they took both of them, the girl and him, to their nearby home where they actually called the police. Police obviously saw through his story and they arrested him and they charged him with assault and battery. Okay. And he was actually sent to a psychiatric ward of Oregon State Hospital for this. Um, he was described while he was there that he, quote, had sexual fantasies that were centred around hatred for his demanding mother and revenge against women in general. Okay, so this is what was... He was not diagnosed with, but this is what they observed from an evaluation to him in the unit. Right. So a state psychiatrist stated that he seemed normal and not outwardly mentally ill, but he spoke with great embarrassment of his habit. His habit meant cross-dressing, all that kind of stuff. Um, and they diagnosed him with adjustment reaction of adolescence with sexual deviation and fetishism. Okay, so fetishes is what we know now, yeah? yeah? Just kinks, basically. And kinks are not something to be looked down upon or looked badly on. Everyone has their own kinks and their own things that they like, you know, sexually. Oh, some weird fetishes out there. There isn't, but they're weird to us. But they're not weird to the people that enjoy them. No, they're not. Fair, no, fair they're That's not weird I mean, to those people that enjoy them. Some, like... Stuff we think that is not normal, or like, oh, I don't understand that. Like, people got a thing for feet. Like, I don't understand the whole thing. Like, some people like like putting like people, a whole foot in their mouth and stuff. Like, I don't understand hundreds, it myself. But... Pay hundreds for feet pics. Yeah, I know. Hundreds. Yeah, I know. But you know what? You like what you like. You, you like know, what you I mean, like, yeah. Just, you know, some people like feet, some people like hands. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I don't find the fascination with it, <laughs> but okay. I mean, it's, yeah, to us, it's, to me and you, it seems odd, but to another person, some people like women wearing heels and... Yeah, but I'm just thinking about it now. It's just like, here's some weird stuff out there. Really. <laughs> you know what I mean? Can you imagine getting with someone? Yeah, toe me. 
So all the evidence he had kind of stupidly collected over time, um, the pictures of the girls, the shoes, the underwear that he'd kind of stolen, um, they'd actually all been found by the police after his arrest. Yeah. So when he was taken to psych- psychiatric unit, obviously all this stuff was found. Um, the doctors actually determined that he wasn't kind of a lost cause and he was incarcerated for nine months in this psychiatric unit. Um, but he was actually still allowed to leave in the daytime to attend school. And he actually ended up graduating high school in 1957. Right. Shortly after graduation, he became an electronics technician for a radio station. So he was apparently, he wasn't good at like the the basic stuff in school, but he was very good at like electronical stuff. Okay. So he was good at Fair different enough. type yeah. of things. Yeah. Um. So for the seven for a seven month period, at about twenty years old, he actually spent a stint in the military. Right. Um. But during a session with an army psychiatrist, Jerry told him about kind of like his fetishes about like shoes and underwear and all that kind of stuff. Cross dressing. Yeah. And this, let I'll just say as well, by the way, cross dressing and being trans is two different things. It's two totally yeah, different yeah. things. Yeah believing that you are an opposite sex or feeling like you are an opposite sex is completely different to cross-dressing. Cross-dressing is just cross-dressing. Yeah. He was not trans or anything like that. He was just into cross-dressing. That's what I'll just make that really, really clear now. So we don't mix up any lines in the LGBTQ plus community. Okay. He was just into cross-dressing. This psychiatrist actually labeled him unfit to serve anymore um and he was discharged for in his words bizarre obsessions <laughs> because it probably was back in them days in them days yeah was right now you say yeah, yeah okay, i'm into cross dressing people wouldn't even blink an eyelid you think this is the 60s early 60s but back then you're probably yeah but then there's the whole coming different out, world but then this whole coming out thing wasn't it you know what i mean when yeah. people saying art oh, and like coming out it's like what yeah you know it's, yeah, yeah. It was frowned upon, wasn't it? it? Yeah, we live in a totally... Thank God we live in a different world than what we did then, luckily. Um, so when he actually returned from being discharged, um, his mum actually wouldn't let him back in the house. She actually made him stay in the shed. <laughs> she wouldn't let him back in the house. Um, she was just completely embarrassed to basically have him home again. She didn't want him home. Right. No, she wanted him out of the house. Um, so he just started living in the shed. Um, and soon after returning, obviously his habits kind of returned. Um, but they actually returned in full force. And one evening, evening, he actually saw a woman walk into work. He snuck up on her, choked her out from behind until she passed out. And then he stole her shoes and ran off. Mm. Why don't you just go and buy a pair of women's shoes? I don't know. But the thing is, that night he slept with her shoes. Man, he's got some weird, weird fetish. Hey, oh, I do you know what? I wish that I could say this fetish is in there, but they don't. These are mild compared to what actually happens in the end. So he ends up sleeping with this chick's shoes. Yeah, loves it. Absolutely loves it. So, at the age of 22, he actually started working as a technician again, um, and he actually passed the commercial radio operating test, and this meant he could actually start working um, 
at kind of different radio stations doing as being like a machine operator thing. Right. So it was quite a good job in those days. You know, you had to pass quite a lot of tests to be able to do it. You had to be quite a smart cookie to be able to do it. Um, and he started working in one of the local stations. Um, at this station, he actually was introduced to 17-year-old Darcy Metzler. Uh, she was kind of like shy. She was really, really pretty. And she was really submissive, which is exactly what he liked. He liked a very submissive woman. So she was... Remember, this is a different time, okay? Her pet They have come from quite a Christian family. They come from a very religious family. Um, she was very much looked after by her mum and dad. And she was under the thumb, shall we say, by her family. She was very under control of them, okay? Different time to what it is now when she was only 17 years old. So <clears throat> she wasn't actually a fan of him in the beginning. She wasn't kind of attracted to him. He was a very below mediocre looking man all right he okay. wasn't a very good looking man um he got even worse as he got older but yeah she he had something that she must have fell for because she did end up actually falling for him and he really liked that he could have control over her that she just kind of gave into everything that he kind of wanted and he loved that he loved that she was submissive darcy's parents though didn't like jerry and Jerry and Darcy both knew that her parents didn't like him and that they weren't going to kind of agree to them getting married eventually. Okay, so what they decided to do is they decided that if she got pregnant, they would have to let them get married because she was pregnant. Again, different time. Yeah. They didn't do the whole kids out of wedlock, all that kind of thing. So they knew that they would be forced to get married. They knew that her parents would have to agree to it. Yeah. So that's exactly what they did. They had a baby and not long after they got married. I think it was like six weeks or something after she found out she was pregnant, they had they got married. Okay. So they were quite quickly got married. Um and they actually went on to have another child after this. So they had two children in the end. So Darcy knew about Jerry's kinks. He she knew that what he was into. Obviously, she started to as they kind of were together longer, she knew what he was into so she kind of got a feeling she he wasn't completely open with her but he did kind of let some of his fetishes come out to her um and he would often kind of like make her walk around the house in heels and underwear while he was kind of like taking photos of her yeah he would make her walk around the house naked while doing like household chores like when she was cooking she was cleaning all that kind of jazz and to the point where, like, he was forcing her to do all of the household chores in high heels. And this started to, like... I mean, you've never wore high heels, so you don't know what it's like. But high heels fucking kill, even just for a few hours. Never mind wearing them all day, cooking, cleaning, doing all your normal stuff. So her back started to hurt and her legs started to hurt. She had kids, you know. It's yeah. like, it, it was just a fucking nightmare for her, basically. Um. But I wish I could say that his kinks only stopped there. Actually, they started to develop onto the fact that he started to put a stocking over her face while they were having sex. Yeah, like a woman's pantyhose yeah. stocking over her face while they were having sex. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's not just me that thinks that's a bit weird. I don't know. Some people wear gimp masks. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, that's the beginning of it. 
Yeah. I mean, from the outside, though, like, Jerry seemed, like, relatively normal to, like, his neighbours and his friends. They recalled that, like, he didn't really drink, he didn't smoke, and he rarely, really swore. So he was kind of, like, to them, he was a relatively normal man. He wasn't weird, It really, to them. There was nothing really odd about him. Darcy kind of catered to all of his fantasies, but when the kind of the kids got older, that changed. She was a busy mum looking after two kids. She was working really hard looking after the kids in the house. The last thing she wanted to do was fucking parade, parade around the house and him and his bloody weirdness. That was the last thing she wanted to be doing, you know. You can't walk around the house fucking naked when you've got toddlers running around the house, you know. So she obviously didn't want to do this anymore. Slowly after this, their sex life dried up and they weren't really kind of like having sex anymore or being intimate really at all. So that being said, Jerry, resourceful as ever, kind of moved on and started setting his eyes onto stalking potential victims. So this is where he started escalating into, okay, I'm going to start stalking people on who I can make my victim, basically. So Jerry admitted later that he would kind of prowl for hours and hours and hours in his car, supermarkets, shopping malls, anywhere he could basically find the right woman that he wanted to stalk and attack. So while out on one of these outings on one occasion, he actually spotted a woman he liked. So he followed her home, waited for her to go to bed. And then when she was finally asleep, he broke into her house, strangled her into unconsciousness and then raped her. Yeah. I told you during the break that it would escalate, babe. It escalated to basically him raping her, okay? When he was done, he took her shoes that he saw her walking in, and then he left the house, okay? He just left her there. Just left her there, yeah. This attack opened up a whole new world for Jerry, and he said in a later statement that he got off on her limp body, that's what got him excited, that she was limp and she was unconscious and she was basically just not aware of anything. He liked that aspect of it. So on the 26th of January, 1968, Linda Slauson was working in the area of Jerry's house, selling encyclopedias door to door. Linda was born the fourth of six, six children to Mildred and Wilbert Glenn Slauson, And she had two brothers, Richard and David, and three sisters, Diane, Barbara, and Teresa. On one particular day, in the pissing down rain, she saw Jerry waving at her from his front porch. She actually had a lead about like a a house that wanted to buy encyclopedias. Because it was pissing down, she the address got like mottled, so she couldn't read the address properly. Him obviously waving her over, she thought, oh, this must be the person's house that wants to buy encyclopedias so she went to his house and she kind of went in he said okay let's come into the house and you can kind of do your sales pitch so he led her into his basement workshop of the house okay it sounds weird basement workshop but it was just his workshop okay in the house Um, and this where she would make her sales pitch not knowing what she was actually walking into So we don't exactly know how long it took for the attack to start, but what we do know is that he hit her over the head with a piece of two-by-four piece of wood, 
knocking her out while she was bent down in her bag to get a book out to show him. So she bent down to get a book out. And I think from what I saw, it was like a child's book because she knew that he had kids. Yeah. So she got out this book and thought, oh, I'll try and upsell him this child's book. And as she was reaching down to get something out of her bag for it, he, that's when he knocked her over the head. He realised that she was still alive. She was just unconscious. So he then strangled her until she died. This was in his house. Yeah. Mm. So his mum, Eileen, was actually in the house at this time, babysitting his kids. His wife, Darcy, was out, but Eileen was in the house with him. So he obviously wanted to get rid of them. So he went upstairs, gave her some money to go and get dinner and said, basically, just go out. And when you come back, knock on the floor so I know you're home. He didn't want to be interrupted. He wanted to just kind of have his way with what he wanted to do. Okay. So Jerry noticed while undressing Linda that she was actually wearing red underwear. He really got off on this and he absolutely loved it. And he started posing her body for photos. He would then dress her up in kind of the stolen underwear he had kind of hidden away and stashed. Um, and he was taking kind of photos of her throughout this entire thing. Keep in mind, she's dead. Yeah. Okay. He kept her like this for the next few hours until he decided that he actually just really wanted to keep her foot so that he could actually put shoes on it and kind of take photos. Yeah. So what else do you think sicko Jerry did? Cut off foot. He cut off her left foot with a fucking hacksaw. Yeah. But he was done with her body. Yeah. He just wanted her foot. So... He attached a piece of car engine to her body and then dumped it over the St. John's Bridge in the middle of the night. Okay? This this ended up being his preferred dumping method, attaching engine parts and dumping them over a bridge into a body of water. So her body was actually never located, unfortunately. We only know all this from what Jerry later admitted in interviews and in interrogations and stuff. So this is the only reason we know this, right. because he admitted to that. So while this was all going on, her family obviously started getting concerned for her and they reported her missing and they started doing the search themselves. So her employees, because encyclopedia salespeople, the job was a very in and out job. It wasn't something that you did for a long period of time. So when she didn't go back to the office, they didn't think anything of it. They didn't bother reporting it or anything because they just thought, she, she just left. quit. Yeah. yeah, she just quit. Jerry actually ended up keeping her foot in the freezer and dressing her shoe up over a period her foot up over a period of time until it actually became too composed for him to um it became too decomposed for him to get his rocks off to anymore. So that's when he actually finally disposed of that too, tying a weighted like a weight to it and then throwing it over the water, the same place where he'd thrown her body. So just a few months later, on the 26th of November, 1968, Jerry set his eyes on a new victim. Whilst he was out driving, he came across 23-year-old student Jan Whitney, who had broken down on the side of the I-5 highway whilst on her way home for Thanksgiving. She wasn't alone, though. She actually had two men with her that she was actually given a lift to. And they he Jerry said they were like hippies. So she was known, her family said she was known for like giving people like hitchhikers rides. She would always do it. Apparently she was a really nice woman and she would always help people if she could. Yeah. Yeah. 
and she was traveling an hour home from where she was going to university and she was traveling home so she had like an hour and a bit commute um so he offered he came along and he offered to fix her car for her so he was driving along saw that she'd broken down these two guys couldn't fix her car so he, jerry offered to help her to help her fix it but they needed to go back to his house to get his tools he didn't have any tools with them so on the way back he dropped off the two guys he just dropped them off on the side of the road and him and jam went back to his house to presumably get the tools to fix her car she waited in the car for him as he kind of went inside and after a few minutes he came back out saying his wife wasn't home and that he had to kind of wait for her to get home so he could get in the house because he couldn't get in the house so he slid into the back seat of the car behind her and they started playing a game while they waited. So they were just waiting, playing a game. And I think from from what I saw, it was like a game of, she said, oh, I bet I can make you tie your shoelace without touching your shoelace or you physically tying it kind of thing, yeah? Right. So while they were playing this game, um, Jerry actually took a leather strap that he had on him and he wrapped it tightly around her neck, strangling her, pulling her into the back seat with him, obviously killing her. This is when he then moved on to having sex with her dead body in the car. So we're moving on to neck, not from, from murder, we're moving on to necrophilia now, yeah? So he then carried her lifeless body into his basement workshop, had sex with her corpse again multiple times, he did exactly what he'd done previously, dressing her body up in heels and underwear while taking photos. But this time, he attached her body to a pulley system that he'd rigged up in his workshop, and he actually cut off one of her boobs, like just sliced off one of her boobs. Right. He said that his plan for this was to like make like a mould of it, like to make a plastic mould of it, to make a paperweight. Okay. He wanted to make a pa- yeah, he wanted yeah. to make a paperweight out of her boob, but he couldn't get the right consistencies of the paperweight, so he was ne- never successful with this. Yeah, I know. So this is where Jan actually stayed for a few days, attached his pulley system in his basement. So, in fact, his pet, his family, they all went away for a few days. They went off on like a vacation, and while they were away, a car actually crashed into his house leaving a large hole in the side of his house, big enough for people to be able to see inside. Right. Yet no one looked. The police came to investigate, but nobody looked. Yeah, she she wasn't found. When they came back to check out the damage at a later date, Jerry had already dumped Jan's body, again, weighted down with car parks, but this time into the Willamette River. No one was the wiser that she was there in the first place. The police came over, checked it out. They didn't see anything. They didn't smell decomposing bodies, nothing. They just thought this house had been smashed into. Yeah. Yeah? None the wiser. So on another occasion after this, Jerry encountered a lady called Karen Sprinker at the Meyer and Frank department store where she'd gone to meet her mum for lunch on the 27th of March, 1969. Jerry wanted actually another woman, but before kind of he could follow her and find out where she was, she disappeared out of sight. So luckily for her, she was meant to be his original victim. 
Um, but he actually saw Karen and he settled on Karen and following Karen. So although he didn't like, he said in a point he didn't like the shoes she was wearing and he didn't like the outfit she was wearing. Yeah, he didn't like any of that, but he still followed her. So he used a pistol to get her into his car. He took her to his house where he raped her and forced her to pose in clothing of his choice. Okay, so she was alive when this was happening. So he raped her while she was alive. This photo, so you can actually see this photo of her. And it's fucking terrifying. Like, you can see the photo and it's fucking horrible. You can see the photo of her dressed up in underwear. And her face is just... She's alive, obviously. But her face is so vacant. Like, you can see that she knows she's going to die. Yeah. And it's horrible. It's such a horrible, like, eerie photo to see. And as I was researching this, this picture kept coming up. And it's fucking horrible. She's literally stood there. And you can just see fear over her face. He then, in the basement, hung her up by her neck from a hook, um, slowly suffocating her while her heels tapped on the floor. Um, he then asked her if the rope was too tight. When she said yes, he pulled her tighter three times up, killing her, basically. So she slowly suffocated and died. Um, he then subjected her body to the same treatment as he did with the others, having sex with her body repeatedly over the next few hours. In between this, Darcy called him that his dinner was ready. So in between necrophilia, he went upstairs, had his dinner. Also, yeah, just had his dinner with his family. Acted normal. Acted fucking normal, yeah. So... After kind of he'd had his dinner and all that kind of stuff, he went back downstairs. He cut off both of her boobs again, and he dressed her in a long line bra. You you know what a long line bra is, don't you? The one that sits lower into your rib cage, like a longer one, doesn't just sit on the bra. Uh, yeah, kind of. It sits lower than a normal bra, so it's right. quite a long line bra. So it's more a bit more like a crop top kind okay. of fit. Um, he dressed her in one of those and he stuffed it with tissue to fill it out because obviously he cut both of her boobs off. Yeah. Um, and then he carried her body to a bridge on the Long Tom River, attached a car part to her body and then dumped her body over the bridge like he had previously with other people. Her car was actually eventually located at the top of the parking garage in the apartment store. So her family knew that she'd gone missing from there because her car was there. They looked everywhere for her, but eventually had to report her missing when they couldn't find her. So Brudos was starting to get really brazen and his next attacks didn't go the plan the way he wanted them to. 24-year-old Sharon Wood was working as a secretary in like a university campus. She was actually going through a divorce at the time. and She was all over the place. This is the woman that I watched a documentary on um, and she give like statements and stuff during it all. And she was saying she was going through loads of shit. She, you know, she had young kids at home. She'd become a recently single mother. She was going through so much shit. She, her head was all over the place. She wasn't, her head wasn't in what it should have been in kind of thing. 
So on the 21st of April, she'd been waking her way through a staff parking structure to her car because she thought that she'd left her keys in a car. And this is what I mean by her being all over the place. She thought she'd left the keys in a car and thought, I've got to go and get them. I've got to get this off my mind. So she went to her car. So as she's walking to her car and she's walking through a dimly lit area of the car park, she felt a way, like a wave of danger come over her, like someone was following her. She was right about this, okay? She said in this interview that she was really, like, she was really aware of those kind of things. She was aware that, you know, you had to be able to hear what was going on around you, you know, not to be distracted, all those kind of things. She knew of these kind of things. She was really aware. The kind of people we are, basically, we're aware of those kind of things. So as she was making her way to kind of like a more lit area, she was like rushing to a more lit area because she was in a dark, dark area of the car park. As she was making her way to a lit area, he actually approached her, put his arm on her shoulder and pulled out a fake gun on her. She didn't know this was a fake gun. She thought it was a real gun. He actually pulled her into a headlock Despite this, he was pushing her down at the same time. So, like, had her in a headlock trying to get her down. He had his hand over her mouth to try and, like, muffle her screams because she was screaming. She, like the fucking warrior she is, bit down so fucking hard on his hand that she drew blood. Like, she bit so fucking hard on this guy's hand. And he obviously screamed. Like, he was screaming in fucking agony. Because she wouldn't let go. She said her mouth basically clamped and she couldn't release her jaw. No, she was could... just in sheer fear. Well, I think the mouth is stronger than muscle, isn't it? Uh, something like that, yeah. Like that. Yeah. I think that in the sphincter. Yeah. I think the sphincter is quite a strong muscle as well. Um. So, yeah, she basically had his hand completely clamped down. So he's obviously in agony at this point. So he slammed her head against the concrete wall for her to let go. As this was kind of happening, a car managed to drive past and the car kind of lit up the area. This caused Sharon to loosen up her grip on his hand and he got his gun and he ran out. Yeah, so he basically panicked. The following day, literally just the day after this, 15-year-old Gloria Smith was walking along the railroad tracks near her home when Jerry randomly appeared out of nowhere and he tried to abduct her. She screeched and ran off. Obviously, she was quicker than he was because yeah. she managed to run away from him. Okay. Again, another attempt at abducting someone had fucking it it gone wrong. He was getting pissed off at this point. He was getting so agitated that his plans keep getting foiled and he couldn't get what he wanted. She actually reported this to the police. So when she got home, she did report this potential abduction to the police. Jerry was adamant that he was going to complete his task. The last two failed attempts hadn't gone the way he wanted and he was determined. 22-year-old Linda Saley was shopping for her boyfriend's birthday present at Lloyd's Centre Mall. She'd parked a car on the sixth floor. She went to kind of do her shopping. But that's where Jerry would lie in wait, waiting for her to return. So he'd saw her in the parking structure and he'd waited for her to finish her shopping. So as Linda as all of us have, walking through car park, full of sh- arms full of shopping, not thinking anything the wiser, Jerry actually approached her ban- brandishing a fake security badge. Right. 
saying that she'd been caught stealing and that she needed to follow him back to the police station. Okay. Linda got into his car without any argument. And during this, during this time, they were driving further and further away from the city. But she didn't say anything during this. She kind of just went along with it. To the point where they actually drove to his house. She still, at this point, didn't say anything. She just carried on going with him. So, when he drove to his home, when they got in, they drove into the garage and his wife, Darcy, actually happened to be home at this point. He didn't think Darcy was going to be home. They have drove in not realising she was going to be there, he said, stay here. And he's gone in and kind of like ushered Darcy back into the house, okay? Darcy hadn't seen her. Right. She hadn't seen her in the car. She was just off her vision. She couldn't see her, yeah? So she didn't try and escape when Jerry was inside the house. But when Jerry came back, he tied Linda up in the car and he went back inside the house to have, again, dinner with his family. So she stayed in the car... When he came back, she was still there. She hadn't tried to even escape from the car. So when they were done with dinner, Darcy went out the house. She went off, did her own thing. And Jerry actually turned his attention back to Linda at this point. He took her into his workshop where he had all the others. And he started to strangle her with a piece of leather that he'd used previously. But Linda actually started to fight back and this pissed him off because before she'd been so submissive and so she'd done everything that he'd asked her to do. She hadn't tried to escape. This really fucking angered him that she actually fought back. He didn't like this at all. So once she'd actually died, he attached her to the pulley system that he'd rigged up. He had sex with her body, as he had the others. He dressed her up, took pictures of her. And because she annoyed him so much he decided to stick two needles into her ribs, which he then attached to an electrical supply, hoping to make her body convulse. So this she was, was... So she was dead? But she was dead, so what's the point? Because he just wanted to get off on right. doing something to her because she'd fought back. He didn't like it. This didn't work, though, and it just kind of, like, singed and burnt her body, so it didn't do what it wanted it to do. Um, but he said he didn't remove her breasts because, in his words, they were too pink. That was what he said. Yeah. So throughout the entire night, he had sex with her body, and when he was done, he tied a car transmission with a nylon cord to her body, and he dumped it in the Long Tom River. Okay? Soon, though, the bodies he was dumping would start to surface, so these would not stay down for very long. Two weeks after the murder of Linda Saley, her body actually floated to the surface as she was found by a fisherman in Long Tom River. And just 50 feet away, two days later, Karen Sprinker's body was recovered. Okay, so they she was recovered two days after, after they were searching for Linda Saley. So investigating officers obviously started their investigation and they quickly connected the two victims. So they were both clearly killed by the same person. Clearly, they were both attached to car parts and in the same way. They both died from asphyxiation. This was all figured out in the autopsy. So both victims had died from asphyxiation. Um, They were dumped in the same way using engine parts to weigh them down. So they knew that this was the same person that had committed these murders. They just had to find this person. 
So Jerry being the fucking weirdo as he always was, tried a new way to meet potential victims. This actually ended up being the undoing of him. And he actually started randomly calling dorm rooms looking for dates. So the worrying thing is this actually worked once. One girl actually went out on a date with him and she later reported to investigating officers that after the date was over, he actually commented asking why had she agreed to go on a date with him and that he could just take her to the river and strangle her to death and dump her. This obviously worried her. She's like, what the fuck is this? I know about these murders. What the fuck? This is really weird. So during their investigation, the police interviewed students at Oregon State University about obviously all these murders. Some female students reported receiving calls from a strange man claiming to be a Vietnam veteran looking for a date. Police actually managed to speak to the girl that had agreed to go out on that date with Jerry. And they actually said, if he ever calls again, can you set up a meeting with him and kind of get him there and we'll come and we'll come and get him, basically. So she gave a description of Jerry and it sounded very similar, very similar to the police of the man that had tried to abduct. Do you remember that 15 year old girl, Gloria Smith on the railroad tracks that had managed to run away? Yeah. The the description sounded a lot alike, you know, chubby around the middle, freckled, redhead. He sounded a lot alike the, the same person. So they were hopeful that this was the same man. So after a few days, Jerry did actually call the girl and they actually set up a meeting and she said, oh, can you like, I've got to wash my hair. Oh, can you wait 45 minutes? So when Jerry actually turned up in like the communal area of the dorm area, the police were like undercover. They were waiting for him and they pulled him in and they started kind of questioning him, finding out what, what was going on, why he was there what was kind of going on. And they started digging into his history. They had his name now, then his real name. So they started digging into his history and what was kind of going on. So, of course, they came along his previous history with attacking women. And that was when they knew that they had their man. They just had needed the evidence to physically attach it to him. So as they were investigating his background, they noticed a shocking coincidence that every place a woman had been attacked or last spotted... Jerry had either lived or worked in that location in the same time frame. So coincidence at the moment, yeah, but a bit too much of a dodgy yeah. coincidence. So this wasn't enough for a search warrant, but it was enough of a reason to at least go to his house and ask him more questions. So when they went to his house and they kind of were asking him questions, an officer noted that there was in the, like, the what's it called in the basement workshop area they noticed that there was like this piece of rope with this knot attached to it and the knot was kind of like weirdly similar to the ones found on the dead victims so he collated that okay well this is this is what this knot is and this is found on the victim so that that's too much of a coincidence to be a coincidence basically so after this, the police were given a warrant to search his cars, but unfortunately nothing was found in that search. Okay, he'd already cleaned all the cars. The officers had managed, though, to secure an arrest warrant for Jerry Brudos for his attack on that 15-year-old Gloria. So later on, a few days later, they managed to get an arrest warrant for him, for at least for that, for that potential attack. Yeah. So during this time, they actually got an all-points bulletin out for the family car 
and they were actually stopped traveling on the I-5. So they were seen during the Sword Points Bulletin and they were stopped on the I-5 highway. When the car was actually stopped, Jerry was found hidden under blankets on the back seat. He was hidden under it. So he's hiding. He's hiding, yeah, yeah with his family in the car. Um, and he was obviously arrested. The police were at this point able to get a search warrant for his home and the evidence they uncovered was just unbelievable. This included nylon rope, all the photos of his victims, so all the victims that were dead, all that kind of thing, all the photos that he dressed them up at. All of them that he'd attacked and killed, they had evidence now on what he'd done. So when he was arrested and given his jail clothes, he was actually found to be wearing, like, sheer women's underwear at the time and when they asked him what what's this why are you wearing this he was like oh i have a skin condition it's 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 well it's works better for my skin (laughs) any excuse but yeah okay yeah so over the next few hours of kind of interrogation Jerry spilled beans about everything that was going on. Um, and he kind of could just confessed to all the four murders. He agreed, you know, that, yeah, this is how he killed them. This is what he'd done. He just agreed to pretty much everything and said, yeah, this is what I'd done. Um, but he actually pleaded not guilty. And he actually said that he was insane, pretty much. He was he was pleading insanity, um, but obviously he had to be examined by a psychiatrist. So they did actually end up determining that he was actually sane and that defence didn't stand. So he had to, he was going to have to stand trial, basically. They did diagnose him, though, with antisocial personality disorder. It, again, it's just a disorder. It's not a valid reason why he's done all these things. Brudos knew what he did was wrong and he never showed any signs of remorse for anything that he'd done. Never, never gave a shit. He actually, in interviews, openly laughed and mocked all the things that he'd done. Openly just didn't give a shit, laughed about it, thought it was funny, didn't think anything, didn't think anything of it. So on (coughs) June 28th, 1969, Jerry Brudos ended up pleading guilty to three first-degree murders. And that was for Sprinker, Whitney, and Saley. Um, and he was actually sentenced to three consecutive terms of life imprisonment in Oregon State Penitentiary. Um, he did, obviously, confess to Slauson's murder, um, but they couldn't find her body. Her body was never, ever located, so they ended up not bothering with her case they just ended up convicting him for the three um jan whitney's body was actually found a month after brudos's conviction so her body was actually found and it was found a mile downstream from where he'd originally dumped her body so she was so three of the bodies were found it was just um it was just slauson's body that wasn't ever found or located During his imprisonment, I can wholeheartedly say that he totally deserved everything that he got. He was regularly beaten and regularly raped during his imprisonment. Yeah, so he pretty much got exactly what he deserved. What he did to them, yeah. Yeah. Um, When it got to the point where he was allowed parole, to apply for parole at one point, when he was actually given given the chance to apply for parole, he was denied multiple times. Um, and on the 28th of March, 2006, he died um, of an aggressive form of liver cancer. 
So he ended up dying anyway. Oh, yeah. Passed away anyway, didn't he? Yeah. So that is the case of Jerry Brudos. He, his case was a lot, it was looked over a lot because, um, is it Charles Manson? The whole Charles Manson thing was going on at the same time. So you know about the Charles, you've heard yeah. of Charles Manson, obviously. Um, yeah, the whole Charles Manson thing was going on at the same time. So it was very much like overlooked at this point. So a lot of these murders were overlooked, but he is one of the people that people know a lot of. People know a lot of it. I mean, I know for you, like you were saying to me in our break that like you just think this is more of a weird case. Like, and these we're, again, we're not going to victim blame, but a lot of these things, I think these things wouldn't have happened if we were in the day and age we are now. It wouldn't have happened. You would have CCTV in the car parking structures. You know, people wouldn't be as, I would say, naive, not silly, but naive to, like, go to somebody's house. Stupid is the word you want to use. But we wouldn't, in these days, This these things wouldn't happen. Well, I'm hoping it wouldn't happen. I don't know. You have to people out there. But you wouldn't. You wouldn't willingly like go to somebody's house and do those kind of things, and you wouldn't if a you if you, somebody come up to you saying they're a security guard at a mall saying that you've been stealing, you wouldn't just willingly go in their car with them. No, why would why would you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you'd go back to the shopping center, wouldn't you? Yeah, but we live in a different day and age now. Like I said to you before, like we live in a different era now. Like this was 30, 40, 50 <laughs> years ago. Now we we don't live in the same time anymore. Thank God. But then the whole Ted Bundy thing wouldn't have happened. Jeffrey Dahmer thing wouldn't have happened. Yeah, There's would, a lot of things that wouldn't have happened. They didn't go to someone's house will, willingly. Yeah, I know. You know I mean? The girl went, oh, yeah, I'm a, police, I'm a police officer, but you've got to come to my house to take a statement. Yeah. Uh, yeah what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dumb. Yeah. Dumb as a bucket, bucket of shrimp. <laughs> you know I, mean? I mean, this is... I mean, Artie said to me, he doesn't understand why this case is such a big case. Like, he doesn't understand why it's such a big case. I think it was overlooked by a lot of things, but he's one of the heavy... Jerry Brutus is one of the heavy hitters, mainly because he only recently-ish died. Um, and because of things he did, because it was necrophilia. No, but you've got loads of cases out there that people have done that and murdered and done this and done that. And... There's a lot. I mean, I'm not joking you. I think I've probably got about eight or nine pages of of potential cases to look into because there's so many of them that just are absolutely mental. And, yeah, I mean, what do you guys all think about that? I mean, the guy's dead. The guy is dead now, thank God. You know, hopefully he is rotting in some pit of hell somewhere, if that exists. Um. So, yeah, that was that was pretty much today's case for you. Bit of a bit of a grim one to start the new year, but someone comes to your house and says, "Just don't go with them, okay?" If you're being accused of theft, first go to a lit area. First thing you would say, "Can't show me some ID." Show some ID, yeah. You know what I mean? That's the first yeah. thing you do. Yeah, but then, like I said, we live in a different day and age now. Things have changed a lot. People used to be way more trusting in those days. It wasn't as it wasn't as known of a thing. People didn't expect it as much as what we do now. Now we have media and all these other things. We know this shit goes on. So we're way more aware now than what people used to be. 
<laughs> Your face says it all. There's nothing you can say to convince me of how fucking stupid some of these people are. <laughs> I just, just, there's no defending But then them. none of them, none of them deserved what say, happened to I them. I didn't say they deserved it. Do you know what I mean? I'm just stating the fact. It's like they, most of them were stupid. I mean, what do you all think? Do you agree with that? A? Do you what? Do, what do you think? I mean. I, I see where you're coming from. I do see where you're coming from, but nobody deserves get in my car. this you, shit to happen to you them. You got caught shoplifting. Let's get in my car and let's drive the away from the shopping centre. The worst thing was she had receipts for all the stuff that she oh, had. Just, just like I know. That. I know. It's just sad because, you know, four women lost their lives in the most horrific ways possible. And, yeah, that is this week's case for you. So to start the new year on a bright note. <laughs> so thank you all for listening. We hope you all had a really, really nice Christmas and a nice break. Or if you don't celebrate Christmas, hope you had a nice relaxing time while some places were closed. Um, hope you all have a really, really nice new year. I will upload the pictures onto Instagram and to all our kind of social medias. And that's pretty much it for today um follow us follow us review us you can review us on spotify on apple Podcasts, all those kind of things it really really does help get the podcast out and hopefully have more people listen to us so thank you for taking the time to listen to us today and we will catch you guys next week bye, bye.